If you worry about what other people think, soon enough, you will be on the sidelines of your life. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Millionaire Woman show where we find guests globally around the world who will inspire, empower you, and motivate you into action. And today, I have a special guest, a returning guest to the Millionaire Woman Show, and my friend, Corey Poirier. Thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here, Deb. I'm uh, so looking forward to this. And I'm so excited because I said, you know what, let's, let's drop me reading the bio. Let us just jump in. You have so many exciting things in the works, but I want you to tell everybody where you're at right now and what's looking moving forward, where are you heading? So it's funny because that's a, almost a dangerous question because I, I do have a lot of, you know, we always say, uh, what is it? don't juggle too many, uh, don't throw many, too many eggs in the air because you can't catch them all. Uh, but I'm trying. I, I'm trying to catch them all. So I've thrown a lot of eggs in the air. So I do have a lot going on. But I guess sort of foremost, if we will, you know, first and foremost, uh, I'm really focused on re-releasing my book. Uh, so I have a book called The Book of Why and How. And I say re-releasing because this is very unique. I know it is, uh, but I'm, I'm releasing a book that was self-published with a New York publisher. And you don't see that often. Usually books either start published or they, or they go to the next book. You know what I mean? It's, it's usually not a book that ran for two years as a self-published book and then going to the published world. Uh, but I'm super excited about this. There's been changes to the book. Uh, for example, James Redfield, uh, who wrote The Celestine Prophecy, James wrote the foreword of the new version of the book. And there's a new, some new elements or some new quotes and insights in the back. Uh, so I'm excited about the re-release of the book. I mean, it's been hard. You know, it's hard with a, as an influencer who is a type A personality to not want to just say next. It's been hard to have the patience to have a book that you already know existed for two years and to be fresh and new with it. But that's, that's probably first and foremost what I'm focused on. And then I have a few other, probably five other things going on behind the scenes, behind that. Wow. So I, I don't know if you want me to dive further into that, but that's, but that's really the, the book, um, bringing it out to people. I believe it's a book that can make a big difference in lives, and it's the book I was working toward writing for probably 10 years. So that's what's keeping me jazzed up about the book. And then beyond that, as you know, I have a, a brand that I'm launching called Blue Talks, which is a whole, like I said, that's a whole separate thing on its own. I'm working on a big documentary, which I can't say as much about, but that's uh, you know, we're aiming to bring that to a Netflix or a Hulu or an Amazon. So, and that's, you know, that's three things that are probably eight. So a lot going on. Fantastic. And I am privileged to be a part of the Blue Talk series that is going to be coming out very soon. And uh, it's inspiring to, for people who don't know, Blue stands for, go ahead, Corey. Business Life Universe. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was a big catalyst for this whole thing. I had people in my speaking program coming to me saying, I want to speak on things that you don't see at events often. Like you don't see speakers talk about, for example, synchronicity, something we were just talking about. You don't see people talk about NLP or healing or Reiki or holistic health. And so, I mean, I knew I wouldn't be as jazzed up if that was the only thing the brand was about. 
so that's where the business and life came in. I mean, I, I, I feel I'm one of those people that juggles all three. Like I'm, I have, you know, a girlfriend and a mother who uh, are into, um, my girlfriend's a Reiki master, uh, shamanistic healer. My mother brought me to get tarot cards read when I was a kid. So I feel like I have that side of me, but I also am very grounded in business and life. And so people kept coming to me saying, there's not a place for me to talk about uh, new age stuff, if you will. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's what really was the catalyst for Blue Talks coming to life. Very cool. So I'm going to jump to your book here. And because I'm fascinated, like the book of why, but here is the how. And it's often something like my TED talk that I, I did at the end of 2019. It was all about how you don't need to know the how. You need to know your why. And here you have your book of why. So tell us a little bit how the how plays into the book of why. Yeah, it's such a great point. And it's probably served me well because I put out the book, like I say, it was self-published first. And I put it out before another book that came out called The Book of Why. But they, it came out with a publisher, so it just came out at a different stream. And so I'm glad I had the end how, because it made my book slightly different. But uh, I'll tell you, and I didn't want to change the name because the name resonated with a lot of people. Yeah. But the end how part, I will tell you that a lot of people, Deborah, on interviews said, I'm so glad you added the how. But to first of all, validate what you just said and then talk about how the how relates. I actually say right in the book, if you know your why and it's a strong enough why, the how will figure itself out. So I agree with you that you don't necessarily have to know the how, but what I'm trying to help people with in the book, and it's actually a unique book in the sense that it's broken down into three acts. Each act could be a book on their own, and it was done that way. So each one stands on their own. So if you already figured out your why, you could literally jump to act two, and that's more of the how. Where the how comes in is people, some people discover their calling, their purpose, their passion, but they don't know what to do with it from there. So for example, you could say, okay, I want to be a speaker. Let's use that example. I want to be a speaker or I want to be an entrepreneur. I know that's my why. I'll correct that. That's my passion. Um, the why part of that is I want to do it because I want to impact lives or I want to help people spread their message to more people or I want to create a positive ripple in the world. But the question is, what do I do with that now? You know, I know what it is. I know what I want to do. I know how I want to do it, meaning I know I want to do it through speaking. But now, how do I do that in the most efficient way possible without falling down 75 manholes along the way? Because what a lot of people do is they figure out what they want to do, and then they spend 20 years in the trenches making mistakes until eventually they go, geez, I wish I would have known all this earlier. So what I'm trying to do is the how is helping people know it earlier. And so what the how is is essentially a collection of what it took me and I'm, I'm being literal here, over 5,000 interviews with influencers, some of the top influencers in the world, me sitting with them. So let's say the 10,000 hour rule, I put in more than 10,000 hours to learn this stuff directly. And then also testing it on myself. That's the how part of it. I'm trying to show you what the most efficient way to do some of this stuff is. So you don't have to fall down the same manholes we fell down over and over again. That's the end how. So the why is, why are you doing it? And what's your calling? The how is, how can you do it in a way that makes the most sense and so that you don't have to spend 20 years figuring out how to do it. And this way, the benefit of that is that you can now impact people's lives sooner because if you have to figure it all out as you go, there's people that are desperately waiting for you to figure it out so you can share it with them. If we can help you figure it out sooner with the end how, then you can impact lives sooner. It's all about the pieces of the puzzle. And I often like to say, if you don't follow through on what you are meant to do, other people can't fulfill their purpose. 100%. And I'll add in too, because this is an important part of the end how, because I don't want anything to be abstract. I always, you know, for me, I'm not that person that learns when somebody's like talking all abstract, like saying synchronicities are awesome, but doesn't explain what a synchronicity is. 
So I'll dive one step further is in the book, we dive into the four area or sorry, correct that five areas. And I did a bonus one. So it's actually six in the book uh, that I've seen that when high achievers do this and influencers do this, they have more success. And so I'll give you a practical example. One of them is the power of saying no. And so, you know, you and I talked and recently in a conversation about the power of thinking as is. And so we talked about how sometimes you should try to act like the person you're trying to become, you know, think how they would think, ask yourself what they would do. Well, what I've discovered is a lot of high achievers that are impacting more lives know they have to say no to almost everything that doesn't move the needle. So they can say yes to the few things that do. And so in the book, I share that with you because it, I don't know why, but we all wait until we're so busy, we have to say no. But imagine if we knew that from day one and we started out saying no to the things that weren't serving us rather than saying yes to everything and trying to figure out how to do it. So first of all, I, I share with you what I've learned and that truly 90 plus percent of the high achievers say no to almost everything and say, say no more often. I would say five times more often than the average person. That's the first part. But then second in the book, I go into, okay, now, now that you know that, how do you actually know what a no is? So how do you identify what a no is? And then more important, how do you say no in a way that doesn't burn a bridge with somebody? So my example, that's one out of five. So when I say the end how, I want people to know it's actually practical too. It's not just like, you know, abstract, uh, you know, here's, uh, you know, like as you see people say, um, follow my webinar and I'll teach you how to have a bestseller. And then you listen to the whole webinar and all you realize all they did was set up a pitch on you and they never really told you how to do anything. Well, in this book, I mean, I tried to reveal everything I could reveal and give it all the way in hopes that a person will go, well, if he gives me that much, I want to learn more from this guy. Yeah. So it's practical and how. So can you share a little bit about how can you say no and bridge and maintain that relationship? Yeah, I'll give you an example, which I think I share in the book, but either way, whether I do or not, it's still the right example for now. Uh, Shalene Johnson, I don't know if you're familiar with who she is. Um, people that aren't, uh, she has a couple of top rated podcasts. The Shalene Show is one of them. I think the other is called Build Your Tribe. Where I discovered Shalene is through Turbo Jam which was a fitness exercise video that she launched with uh, Beachbody at the same time as Tony Horton launched P90X. And I didn't know this until I interviewed her, but that uh, Turbo Jam sold over 6 million copies. So she reached a lot of people and that was a fitness video. That was her start. And then she took that and launched into the world of becoming the Instagram queen. And so she crushes it on Instagram now and she put out a book called Push that's now a New York Times bestselling book, which love the book. I mean, I could dive into that, even that book's so powerful, but in the interview with Shalene, uh, I asked her, how do you decide what a no and a yes is and how do you actually say no? And she took me down this great story path. She said that when she first started building Turbo Jam, she got to a point where I think she had it being caught at, I think it was 600 actual locations across North America. So if you think of P90X, if you're not familiar with Turbo Jam, think of that being at, with instructors at that many locations. And then on top of that, she had released it and it sold 6 million DVDs. And she said, so the instructors would come to her and say, Shalene, you know, I know you're, you're only down the road from where I'm at. I can't make the class. Like, can you come and teach the class? And so she was getting bombarded with, yes, can you do this? Yes, can you do this? And so what she did, because she's very faith-based and family-based, uh, she said what she did was she, uh, because everybody knows her business is built around her family, she would tell them when they asked if she would take this on, she would say, well, you know, we're a family-first company. So what I have to do is I have to um, ask Brett, my husband, if we have anything else on the go. And then can I come back to you tomorrow or the next day and let you know if I can do it? Now, if I can't do it, what I'll do is I'll actually find somebody who can and I'll connect you with them. Is that cool? And if you think about that, what she just did there, she gives herself time to think about it. And it may still become a yes, 
But if it's a no, you can't get mad at her because she's saying, I'm, I want to put my kids first. So it's hard to get mad at her. But also on top of that, she's saying, even if I can't do it, I'm going to help you line you up with somebody you can. So every part of what she's doing there, to me, how do you burn a bridge? You know, like it, you could one out of a hundred, but if you do, that's, that person's not the bridge you want to be on anyway. Uh, but, but hopefully that answered the question. But to me, that was, uh, there's a few other things I do, but to me, what she did was such a perfect summary for how you can say no without having somebody be mad at you. Absolutely. Cause what she's doing is I can still help you, but it might not be directly from me. Absolutely. hundred percent. And, and yeah. And, and you know, at the same time, um, there's the other aspect of how do you know what to say and know what to say no to, because that's where, you know, some people could listen to this and if they're brand new, it's like, well, you know, I need to, I need to feed, feed the family. How do I say no to anything? But uh, what I usually, here's what I do. I, and this goes back to an earlier part of in the book, what I share is the importance of writing a personal mission statement. So I believe all the top companies you can name either know their personal mission statement or sorry, no, correct. I'll correct that their corporate mission statement, their staff knows it, or if they don't, they understand the concept of it. So like Disney, I don't know if every employee knows that the mission statement is to make people happy, but they understand they have to make people happy. So it's one of the two. So if all corporate companies that are thriving through recessions know their mission statement, shouldn't we probably have one? And yet when I asked Deborah in a room of 300 people, how many people here have a personal mission statement? And I'll tell them, don't fake it because I'll, I'll quiz you on it. One hand or two hand goes up at a 300. And so I take people through early in the book about the importance of writing it and how to do it. But here's the key thing. I wrote mine years ago. It's essentially this, to be the guy who motivates, donates, inspires, educates, and entertains. Now what that does is if you ask me to take something on and it's one of those or zero, it's an easy no. Because it's not going to help me move towards where I'm trying to move and, and help the people I want to help and serve the people I want to serve. But if it's four or five of those, it's an easy yes. And what the great part about that is, whether it's an easy yes or an easy no, it's with no regret. Because if I know it's only one of those, I can say, well, why would I be mad about that? Why would I be upset? Why would I regret that? It's not serving me. And then if it's, here's where it gets tricky. So if it's three or four, then I have to weigh it out and go, is this, do I want to do this? But the day I figured out that was my mission statement was the day I started being on target about 90% of the time. So now I know what to say no and yes to based on what aligns with who I am and what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. That's no in a nutshell. Yeah. It's not just, um, just saying no or yes, but you're not, you're on purpose by having that personal mission statement, that vision for yourself, you know exactly where you're going, you know, what is going to inspire you so you give the best of yourself and it's easy to make decisions and here we have people having decision fatigue but if they took the time to create that personal mission statement and understand their why and working on purpose then they can really get rid of that decision fatigue and just live freely yeah, it's, it was a game changer for me, which is why I guess I probably started early in the book with it. And then in the first section of the book, it's about why. So it's about, it is about finding your why. Uh, I identify the difference between a passion and a purpose. And I actually feel the two of them together is what creates your why. So the passion is what you do. Purpose is why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I go through in the book talking about that. And so passion, my passion could be speaking, but the purpose, you know, why I'm doing it could be to create positive ripples in other people's lives. Yes. And so, uh, so we dive into that. But one of the other things that was really important to me is to cover why not? Mm. Why not you? Why not now? And so when I said the four whys, those are the four whys I go into. I heard Jim Rome one time uh, say those four things, you know, in, in a talk. And 
he was his southern accent. You know, why not you? Why not now? And he's doing, you know, he's doing all them. And but he was really talking them through. You know, why not you? Why can't it be you? And he was going through it that way. So I didn't. I, I knew those four. Those were four headers. But I didn't take any of that knowledge into it. I decided to write my what those four meant to me. So and what so are, what I oh, two, give us two of them at least. Uh, okay. So the let's say um, why not you? And so it's kind of like a reverse psychology thing. So how I approach it is, why shouldn't it be? And then I, give, I actually give you the reasons why it shouldn't. And then I deconstruct them to prove that it really should. And so, you know, the why not you could be, why, well, why not let it be somebody else? You know, so Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen could let somebody else uh, create the Chicken Soup for the Soul series that has sold, what, 600, 700 million copies. But guess what? Nobody else ever has before or since. So maybe it had to be Mark and Jack. Yeah. Louise Hay launched Hay House in her 60s. Well, why didn't somebody launch it in their 30s besides Louise Hay? It didn't happen. So I make the case that if you look at some of the most monumental things, it never got done until that one person picked it up. So maybe it has to be you. And then I go into the idea that somebody's desperately waiting to hear your message. And are you not maybe robbing them of something that could serve the world because they need to hear your message so that they can go out and create their whatever, their why is. And so what I do is I basically do reverse psychology. That's the why not you and, and why not now. I talk about, really, I say, well, why shouldn't it be now? Why don't you just leave it wait till another six months from now? But then I, again, deconstruct why it needs to be today. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, why, what's that quote? I think it's at the front of the, I have a, a quote at the front of that chapter about, I talk about how, um, you know, the, what is it they say? The best time to plant a seed was yesterday. The second best time is today or now. And so I talk about that, you know, I talk about that, that, yeah, you could wait six months. But think of the five people you won't impact if you wait six months. So it's, it's kind of a, like I say, it's a reverse psychology approach to the why thing. But it's really to show people that it should be you. It should be now. You know, it sh- and it should happen. And, that, um, and if you find your why, here's how, here's how much more meaning your life could have. How did you discover your why? It was kind of, I, I, I always say I got tricked into it in some ways because and again, I feel the why is the mix of the passion and purpose. And so I, the passion was my gateway to my purpose. And so my trick part was uh, speaking, I feel, is my passion. It started with stand-up comedy. And that's the kind of a thing, too, that people don't realize, is your passion could be ever-changing. Like your passion could be, you mentioned it, right? It could be singing lessons. So it could be from singing. It could be from acting. It could come from a different source than you originally thought. Traditionally or rarely will your purpose or your why change, but your passion could change 10 times in a year. Uh, for me, it only really changed twice because I started it with stand-up comedy. And this is why I say I got tricked into it. And I got tricked into performing stand-up comedy in one night because I just was foolish enough to not walk out the door. And then I discovered speaking. As I kept going back and being brutalized in stand-up and bombing on the stage, I discovered speaking and then made the transition over. So my passion at first was comedy. And how I knew it was a passion is because I had been battling anxiety and hypochondria. And once I started doing 10 minutes and five minutes of stand-up comedy on the stage, when I was going into work the next day, people were saying, did you meet someone? You seemed to have a jump in your step. So I knew I'd found my passion, but I thought it was going to be stand-up and it turned out to be speaking. So that changed, but so that's how I found it to answer your question. That was the passion part of it. Uh, But then as I started speaking more and more and people started coming up and saying, this one thing you said changed my whole way of looking at life. Or, you know, they'll come up to me six months later, I'd, I'd meet people in a pedway and they'd say, here's my journal. And I, I forget what I used to call it. I used to have a name for the journal. I used to have an actual name and I had my journal separated by sections. And they would say that name. And I, I, we're going back like 18 years now when I first started speaking. But I had a name for the journal. I forget what it was, but let's say it was Peak Performance Journal. They're like, I got my Peak Performance Journal, Corey. 
And that, when that stuff started happening, then I realized my why. My why was to create that ripple in other people's lives. And it's slightly changed now because now I've added one more component to it, which is I want to help people have a voice. So I want to create a ripple in people's lives who can use their voice to create a ripple in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. I've added an extension to it. But that's how I found it was being tricked into a stand-up comedy club, performing on a stage one night, and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, and everything, and I think people will need to realize that, you know, they're like, oh, that was a wasted experience. I know when I was in university, um, and I switched faculties, and I was like, oh, that was a waste. And I remember my dad saying to me, no education or experience is ever a waste because you are using these situations as building blocks. They, and I, I always refer to it as the golden thread that threads the events of your life because I've uh, interviewed other people where they talk about when you look back at your life and look at the stories of your life, how it brought you to where you are right now and the person you became. So I, I love how you shared, you know, it was accidental. You did not anticipate where you're at today. But what it led you to was the journey that led you to where you are today that's being able to utilize your gifts fully and step into a, a potential that you didn't even explore for yourself of a possibility. Yeah, I couldn't have made the connection if I spent a million years, I don't think, of like, I, I've written a stage play in a fringe festival that I didn't act in. And then I got, I got, had to come on the stage because somebody sprained his ankle, one of the actors. And so when I was writing the play, just at that point, I could have never envisioned that that would lead to stand up and stand up would lead to speaking and speaking would lead to the life I have today. Like I could have never mapped that out if I would have tried. So to your point, uh, Deborah, I had to be willing to be flexible too. I had to be willing to go on that journey when speaking started calling me. I had to go. I had to shut down the voice and said, well, you're finally getting good at stand-up. You're finally getting laughs. Stick with this. I had to shut down that voice and say, well, why is this calling to me? And I didn't know anything about synchronicity. So it was not easy to do that. But yeah, to your point, it's, you know, you have to be willing to and, and realize at the same time, as you said, no, there's no wasted experience. In fact, I now use that as the reason why a client should pay me my fee. So when somebody says, well, you want, to, you want us to pay you what for 45 minutes on a stage? And, and I don't do it in a, in a in, you know me enough to know, I don't do it in a, a rude way, but I'll say, okay, well, we need to start there because A, you're not paying me for my time on the stage. And then I'll go through the list of all the things that I have to go through to get to the stage. You're paying me to go through an airport to get pushed, you know, to miss my flight, to deal with uh, leaving my family and all that stuff. First of all, you're paying for that. Secondly, though, you're paying for all the mistakes I made, all the stories I learned in the last 20 years. You're getting, you're, get, you're actually, pay, you're getting a better deal than the speaker that hired me for 50 bucks in my first talk. Yeah. Because you're getting 20 years of experience of me learning this stuff in the trenches. You're, get, I, you're right. I should be charging you more. You know, like what I'm saying is that to your point, there's no waste of experience. All those experiences helped me become the speaker I am today too. Yeah. And there's something that you said about paying attention to your calling. What would you say to someone if they, you know, they're wondering what their calling is. They have this inner knowing, but they're not sure if it's the right thing to do. Well, I guess what I would say is you don't know until you try, you know, and I, I hate to sound, you know, that um, was it flippant be the word of just, you know, I hate to sound that casual about somebody following their passion. But here's the thing here. here there's a key thing you said there. And so I give an exercise in the book and I actually link to a video where I take people through the exercise I use for helping people figure out what their passion might be. And I tell them because it's a full exercise where you might spend three months trying something. 
but I, but I, the original thing I get them to do is put together a list of something you might love. So here's my point to that is if you think you might love that, why wouldn't you want to do that for three months rather than something you dislike anyway? You know, if it comes out that it's not your calling or your passion, who cares? You spend three months with an adventure. Like for example, you go, you, you're going to try singing, you mentioned, and you're going to go acting. Well, you might spend three months and go, I don't really dig this, but you thought you would at first and you enjoy it as you go. You enjoy the journey anyway. Well, it's not waste of time. And the, I, the numbers I've heard, I don't know how true they are, but I've heard statistics that less than 5% of people find their passion or purpose in life or their calling. Wow. And so if the numbers are that low and all it's going to take you is three months of doing something you think you might love anyway, is that really a waste? So my answer would be go try it. I would just be maybe a little more intentional and strategic about how you do it. So I would get them to list the things they think they would do if um, money was an issue. You know, what would you do if, uh, what, what did you do when you were a kid that you loved? That everybody said, you're so good at this or you loved this so much. Uh, that time when you were going to do something and somebody said, don't do that. You're no good at that. Or, you know, you were going to go to clown college and they said, no, be practical, go to U of A. Well, when you go back to that point, what was it in clown college that you liked? You might not want to be a clown. You might just want to be an entertainer. So yeah. I get people to do a list based on those things and then put the one that you think you like the most at the top and the least at the bottom and then start at the top. And, start, and then I get people to go through their baby steps. So what are the steps you'd have to do to take the big step and eventually do that thing? So if it was getting on a stand-up stage, maybe you have to go uh, visit with a comic. Maybe you have to go watch stand-up. Maybe you have to go to a comedy club and invite a comic out for lunch. Maybe you have to read books on comedy. Those are all things you'd probably like anyway if you like stand-up. And then you do a whole bunch of small ones. You reward yourself after each one. And then once you finally do the big step on the stage, it doesn't seem that big anymore because you've done all the little ones. But the point of this whole story is if they thought that might be their calling, even if I take through this exercise, you spend two or three months doing something you think you like anyway, I think that's not a waste. How could that ever be a waste? So I would say, the, again, back to the shorter answer is, I would say if they say to me, what, what should I do if I think this might be my calling? I would say there's only one way to find out. Jump in. Absolutely. So one of my final questions for you, Corey, is as you were writing the book, because we often as authors, they refer to writing a book as a birthing process. Right. <laughs> and I know it, you have a different appreciation because you're male <laughs> of the birthing process, but it's about digging down into who you are in the core when you're writing a book like this. What was your greatest lesson that you wish you would have learned 10 years ago? So you, you mean lesson I learned during the process of writing yeah, the, the pro process of writing the book that you wish you would have known 10 years ago? It's interesting. It, it depends if I go 10 years or if I go longer than 10 years. If I were to go longer than 10 years, yeah, your choice. I would, I would say self-care, the importance of self-care. You know, if I go back to when I was 20, 21, 20, I mentioned the anxiety and all that. A lot of that was because I was going all in and I wasn't taking care of myself. So mm -hmm. I wish I would have learned the importance of self-care earlier. Uh, I discovered yoga, for instance, because I had balance problems and the medical system wasn't helping. Uh, so I went to yoga for two, I think it was two months. And I went from a guy who couldn't stand up straight with his eyes open without going like this, uh, moving back and forth, to a guy who could do tree pose, if people know what yoga is, with my eyes closed. So on one leg. And that was the gateway for me into self-care because then I was like, wow, when I lie down and I do Shavasana, you know, your last minute of silence, then I started understanding the power of meditation. And so I wish I would have known that earlier in life and even believed in it. Cause if you would have told me three years before I did, if I, before I meditated, I would have said, that's garbage. That's what are you talking about? That's like uh, woo woo, you know, as we love to say. Um, but my point is I would have liked to have learned that maybe 20 years before. 
if I went 10 years before, I would have said this. I would have said, I wish I would have known how much better it can be, everything can be, easier can be, if you study at the feet of giants. And so what I mean by that is somebody like a Zig Ziglar. He's already went down, as I said earlier, he's fallen down all the manholes, and he's willing to say to me in his books, and he's passed away, but he's still sharing and enriching lives. But if, if in his book and in his video he can say, Corey, and he doesn't say Corey, but you know, uh, he's writing and saying, here's something that worked really good for me. Here's something that changed the game for me. And he's only putting usually the high-level stuff there. That's the best part. He's skipping all the – he's curating it for us. So I wish I would have understood the power of being able to learn from the giants like that earlier on in life. And as I started interviewing people and, and learning the stuff I was learning, it quickly became apparent that I was growing at 10 times the speed once I started studying from people that have already been there. So I would say I wish I would own earlier the power of learning from others rather than learning in the trenches by myself. It's very true. And there's so many different mentors, so many different influencers. People think that they need to have direct contact with them. All you need to do is start listening to their work on podcasts, reading, watching YouTube videos, and you can be learning these lessons. Get a hold of their books. You'll hear their voice speaking to you. 100%. Last final question for you is, what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Wow, that's a great final question. Rich from the inside out. I, 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 feel it's, I feel it's about integrity and being unfiltered. And I know that, that might, like, people might wonder, what do you, what is, why is he connecting those two words? Um, so on the integrity side, it's that being full disclosure with people, saying what's truly going on if, if you're having a hiccup. Uh, so sharing the good and the bad, treating people like they're, if, you're, if you're my family, what would I do? So I think on one side, if, if I said I was going to do something, then I do it. Or I say, here's what's holding it up, but I'm still going to do it. That's one side, so the integrity. The unfiltered life, and I did my blue talk on this, one of my blue talks is on the unfiltered life, is also not trying to help somebody with something I haven't done. I'm seeing so much online with people saying, um, I, want, you know, I, I, I could help coach you to do this and that. And I'll give you an example. Let's say social media. They say, I can... Um, I can take you to the next level on social media and get you a thousand percent engagement and all this other stuff. And then I go to each of their social media pages and they have one like on their posts and they have 300 connections, but yet they're the social media guru. And I know it's not all about numbers and metrics, but at the same time, if you're coming to me saying, I'm going to be able to help you get numbers and metrics and that could just be engagement, but you don't have any of that. So to me, that's, that's a problem. Or another one is if you're standing in front of a home, taking a video saying, I can teach you how to get this home but we don't see when the camera turns off that a person chases you off their lawn and says, stop filming in front of my house. There's a challenge with that. So for me, the second part of it is from the inside out being rich is only, um, only sharing that I can do something that I'm actually doing or, uh, and I said this in my talk is that if you don't have it yet, partner up with somebody that does. So for example, if I'm telling you, Deborah, that I'm going to be able to help you and insert whatever here, right? If I'm going to be able to help you write a best-selling book, Yep. then I should have a best-selling book. So being rich from the inside out means that I learn how to do it first before I promise you that I can help you do it. But if I haven't done it yet, then I should be partnered up with somebody who has. And together, we should be both saying, we're going to help you write a best-selling book. So to me, living rich from the inside out is living an unfiltered life. What you see is what you get. If I tell you that I can help you do something, then I better have done it. And then the integrity side is then I better do it. Very powerful and more people <laughs> should live that way, definitely. We only see the highlight reels and sometimes people get caught up in empty promises 
And I think this is where we see people jaded or seeing a very filtered view of the world. So thank you for exposing that and sharing, sharing that with you. Thank you for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to connect with you, Corey. And um, on behalf of Corey and myself, we thank you. Please share uh, this episode. Go over to iTunes, subscribe. Let us know what your favorite nugget of this interview was, either messaging Corey or myself on social media. We would love to share some of the things that you took away and we value your feedback. You can also go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com where you can grab your three-part mini video course of Making Habits Stick so you can build consistency and build on the steps that lead you to the success that you desire. As Mohammed Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And don't hesitate. Go out and get the book of why and how coming out very soon. Go on Amazon, go on wherever your book is, uh, where you buy your books, and you will find Corey Poirier and his fabulous new book. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Deborah. And I'll add in one thing if I can. Uh, I'll give the people a shortcut, is uh, they can go to thebookofwhy.com if they want to. And on that site, we have the links to various different retailers. Awesome. Thanks so much, Corey, for adding that in. And everyone, Go out and have a great day and we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast.